Hello, and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is a new friend and hopefully a repeating guest on the show, Doug Brinkler. Doug is an extreme music enthusiast, a fan of hot rods and all things motorcycles, and also a reported encyclopedia of classic rock. Welcome, Doug, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure being here. Or at least we'll see if it's going to be a pleasure. <laughs> so, no. Now, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Alan's been been talking you up uh, a lot about your your music knowledge and your, your, your passion for classic rock. Yes, yeah, definitely. Where should we start? You want to how I got into rock and roll or well no we'll, we'll jump right into this as our our usual format what is your favorite album and how did you discover it I really like uh where it began was the Van Halen one record album I had listened to, I grew up in a household that had uh, two types of music, country and Western, <laughs> you know, and I. That's always a good line. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have an appreciation of that music uh, more now than I did then. I think it's way better than a lot of the stuff that's out now. But how I got this album was we had a neighbor uh, just a couple houses down, and uh, his dad was a piano teacher, and he was a very good guitarist. And so he'd be playing music outside his window. I mean, you could just hear it. I'm like, wow, that's great. He was cool. Everybody in Peoria knew him. He was a very good guitar player, and everybody wanted him in their band. I went over there to talk to him, and he had this uh, record album, and uh, he let me take it home. Uh, it came out in uh, February of uh, 1978. At that time, you had to remember that hopelessly devoted uh, to you by uh, uh, Olivia Newton-John and Macho Man from the Village People and Last Dance, Donna Summers. Uh, <laughs> and those, those were probably dominating the charts at the time. They, I'm they sure. were, yeah. yeah. You, you know, uh, Barry Manilow, you know. So, <laughs> I mean... So I get this record album, and I'm like, oh, this will be cool. I'll put it on. And I got a uh, small little record player for Christmas one time. Had little speakers connected to it. And, I mean, they were probably two-by-four-inch speakers, nothing nothing big at all. And I listened to my uh, my classical Star Wars album and things like that. I put Van Halen album on, and... The first song on that is uh, Running With The Devil. The very first thing you hear is a blurring car horn or bus horn driving by. Then you hear this bass line just boom, boom, boom. force trauma after that the drums the guitars kick in i'm just like what what is this so how old were you when you 
you know, first listened to this? Well, I'd be like 11 years old. Okay. And it was just something that was completely different. And I had been out for a little bit. I, I just never heard that song, you know. I don't know if the uh, uh, being in the Bible Belt, they didn't want a song called Running with the Devil playing on the airwaves, which in the lyrics, it has nothing to do with the devil. It's no, basically, it you know, being out on the road, you know, things like that. I can only imagine uh, hearing this, you know, as an 11 year old you know, with what. 70s were great with rock. They were. Yeah. Uh, but towards the end, like you said, you had Donna Summer and other things kind of dominating the airwaves. And I, I can just imagine getting this album and hearing it for the first time and hearing all of these brand new tracks. It would probably blow my mind because the, the album itself is almost like a mini greatest hits album. Yes. And so when I heard this album recently, I just listened to it all the way through when you were bringing it to the table I had heard most of the songs through just classic rock radio over the years. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. There were a couple in there that I had never heard, which was great. Right, right. Uh, but I can only imagine hearing these as a impressionable little 11-year-old. That would have been amazing. I'll tell you what. Next song, you know, after listening to that, the next song was like, uh, you need to put Billy Mays in there saying, but wait, there's more. And that's Eruption. It's essentially... Uh, the guitar solo, it's 142 seconds that absolutely changed rock guitarists after hearing that. And that was the that was the song that really fomented my love of Van Halen for the rest of my life. <laughs> the song that anybody that wants to play guitar now tries to emulate there's people that do a good job you know it was never done before and i'm sure it's like when uh like pete townsend or eric clapton heard Jimi hendrix for the first time mm -hmm. and this goes why you know it would just be it would just blow their mind and this is exactly what that did it was just today like well like you said it's it's only a minute and a half but it does it feels much longer he, he yes. keeps going he goes and it's, it's just uh, uh amazing how how he can do that well in the even the break in the middle has a little bit of silence and it kicks in again you're thinking <laughs> yeah. oh man i got a little bit of reprieve i mean i'm starting to sweat over this thing and then you're like oh good and then he hits you with the second uh you know the second punch and it's like Whoa! Every guitar player after that, I'm sure the music stores showed an increase in guitar sales because everybody's like, "I want to do that." Even in the '90s, when when I was a teenager, I've I've known several several guys that have that are still in bands today. That that was their turning point as well. Still, eruption. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ingve Milstein and and uh, some of these guys, classical rock guitarists, are like. For a while there, a lot of people, oh, let's say like White Lion, and uh, there's a lot of groups that even Autograph, Turn Up the Radio, were doing the double tap board, the fretboard, where Eddie was using both hands. Instead of using his pick, he was 
doing the tapping thing with the tapping thing. And so for a while there, everybody was doing it or trying to, I think when Eddie Van Halen did, I've seen, I seen him live a bunch and if he did something different than what he did on the recording, it wasn't a mistake for him. He was just rewriting what he did. He would bend the sound uh, I can't even tell you if they're notes because he, he never <laughs> read sheet music. You know what I mean? He would bend it into the sound that he wanted. So I don't think he could make a mistake. <laughs> I mean, you know, he would, if it's like, oh, I have a bad, I think this might turn out to be a bad note. Now I can, I can fix that and make it sound really, really good. And uh, he's even been quoted of saying that he's made noises where he's like, wow, it scared him. He was never able to do it again. You know, oh, that's awesome. he's like, I couldn't do that again if I tried. So, I mean, uh, was, was eruption even a, a song you can, even Eddie Van Halen would play the same song. Could he play that exact song twice? He, I mean, cause it, he, every time would probably be a little bit different. Um, I think he practiced a lot. I mean, he really started playing very young and would even play in clubs. His dad was a uh, clarinet saxophone player. In fact, oh, okay. you can, on the Fair Warning album, Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now, that song, you can hear his father playing the oboe and stuff through it. Oh, that's neat. You're, you're talking about a group that they said, these guys are the kings of heavy metal. But when we go through this list, you're going to find out that there's blues remakes. There's also the um, Inks remake. I think that... Uh, I'm one of those guys that really likes the original song when they come out, even if it, if it's old, I'm like, well, I like that song. I don't like redos a lot of times. When Van Halen did it, I think they kind of took it over, did a better job than the original. It's very rare cases. I uh, Johnny Cash remade one of the uh, Nine Inch Nails songs. Hurt, yeah. And, uh, Soundgarden songs. And I think Johnny Cash did a better job <laughs> than that oh, yeah. group. Trent Reznor even said that that song belongs to him now. Yes, and that's what... Yeah. Uh, and Lemmy, he did Heroes that was actually... Um, David Bowie? David Bowie. I like the David Bowie version. Lemmy, he's not a singer. Uh, he was more of a growler. Yeah. <laughs> and... and, and tell you i like that version i do uh, but that's very rare was that was that a, a motorhead song or was that like him solo or no that was uh it was just on one of the albums it was like a filler that they did okay. they did heroes they did such a good job on it yeah co covers are are usually hit or miss i mean the, yeah. they, they may knock you out of the park but they may just be like a, a sad attempt uh, and the, another Van Halen one that comes to mind is Pretty Woman, which I've always enjoyed. Yes, Roy Orbison, yes. And that's what I thought. I, and I like the old Roy Orbison one, but I I think Van Halen did it, you know. But but if they don't play it without the intro, what's that uh, other instrumental before Pretty Woman? Um, oh, my gosh. I can't um, think of it now. But it, uh, Inferno or something? or I can't think of it. But I love that that long instrumental uh it it, it 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 leads into Pretty Woman so wonderfully. It's it's just a yeah, that's a great track. The two tracks, Interceptor. Is it uh, put me on the spot? Uh, I, I want to say it's Interceptor, but, but I can't think. Was it Intruder? Um, Intruder. That's it. it. Intruder. Yeah, and Cathedral, three sixteen. Uh, Eddie has so many different solos or pre music 
for another song. I have even heard uh, some of the Van Halen stuff in uh, rap music where they've um, dubbed and 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 uh, sampled some of their songs mm-hmm. and there's big hits. A lot of people don't realize that. That it's like, I go, man, it's it's an old Van Halen song, you know. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, man. I found out years yeah. later that he played uh, he played guitar on "Beat It" with Michael Jackson. Well, yes, and I yeah. know a lot of people. A lot of people went and bought just so they could hear that guitar solo of Eddie Van Halen. I remember we'd play basketball and guys would replay that song over and over again just so they could hear that <laughs> guitar solo. It's so crazy now, but yeah. I mean, we were, but yeah, and because we all had big boom boxes that took sixteen size batteries, and oh, we yeah. go to the basketball court <laughs> and whatever we listened to is what everybody else was going to listen to. So, but yeah, it was. That was uh, great. Well, now, how many uh, times did you get to see them live? Uh, I, ne- I never got to. I'm jealous. So that, oh, that's great. I, three times, and it was awesome. You know, uh, seen them in '84, and um, a couple times with uh, Sammy Hagar, and that was that was good stuff. It was it was different than David Lee Roth, and uh, Sammy Hagar was probably my favorite solo artist before he was in Van Halen. I seen him at the Peoria Civic Center, and uh, Took my little sister. That was her first rock concert. Van Halen, uh, you know, I talk a lot about Eddie. But Van Halen has his brother Alex on drums, who is an awesome drummer. He's a, He was playing jazz drums and stuff in clubs at, I mean, he was like 12, 13 years old playing jazz well, drums. That makes sense. Tell me what it, their father did, too. So that makes sense. Yes, exactly. Makes sense. And yeah. That's what the dad was a professional musician. And uh, so the the kids started at young ages, and uh, some of the songs it's influenced you can hear, especially in later albums. Uh, you can hear the jazz influence. You can hear some blues influence here. Well, you you mentioned uh, like the the Shondells and stuff earlier. I mean, there's there's some doo harmonies on this yes, album. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was in "I Am the One." Yeah, that was great. I know, and only a band from California would come up with something like that. And that's a rockin' tune. Right. And then they could go right into, you know, doing that. Those guys were just having fun. And uh, Th- that nails it right there. That's what this album is. These guys are having a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. It's, there were, is, I mean, the lyrics wise, I mean, you're talking partying, sex, and just in the lifestyle. Yeah. And it, in the music, it just comes out. They're having a blast. That's, that's it, man. They were young. We're definitely starving. I mean, they were making a hundred and <laughs> 150 bucks a week and eating cheeseburgers, you know, and uh, we're not eating much when they were on the road because they just didn't have the money. And out after this album broke, I mean, uh, this album sold 15 million 575,000 copies. It went double diamond. So they could eat steak and lobster from then on out, you know. They played hard. They opened up for bands like uh, Journey, Kiss. Yeah, I saw that Gene Simmons was uh, one of their big 
champions yeah. uh, before they even recorded. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, he was a big influence and really wanted to get them signed and things like that and uh, uh, did some demos with them. What I think is Van Halen was such a good show that the other bands did not want to follow them. So the record companies are like, look, Van, ha or Van Halen's going on last because once you got rocking with them, everybody else just sucked. They'd get booed and everything else. And you're talking about the top bands at the time. You know what I mean? Uh, they're the first band that got paid. Uh, there was a musical festival, and they said, oh, we really want you to play how much it's going to cost. Uh, or they're like, uh, we want $1 million. And they're putting their, they're thinking like uh, Dr. Evil, putting their <laughs> finger up by their mouth going, $1 million. And and the event organizers are like, okay, really? <laughs> you know, so they're like, yeah. So I mean, they're like, this is sweet. You know, that was such a big draw. Some of these events would have Judas Priest and all these other bands, but Van Halen was so big. They're like, we need to bring somebody else in. Uh, Black Sabbath was another one of the group. I mean, they're just like so much bigger than these big groups. Van Halen also had Michael Anthony, who was a very good bass player. And since Van Halen, he's he still plays with Sammy uh, Hagar, bands called The Circle, and uh, uh, John Bonham's son, uh, Jason, is in that group. And then uh, he played with uh, Chickenfoot. Yeah, I remember them. Kind of a super group there shortly. Super group, yeah. All these guys from you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers and all these other groups and Satrioni on guitar. I mean, it really was a really good group. He has very high singing voice. And from what I heard, Van Halen throughout their career still used backtracks of his background vocals. Because without it, a concert, if you didn't have his, it just wouldn't sound like Van Halen, you know. And that was after 1984 that he was no longer part of the band. Uh, David Lee Roth was gone. No, he was with Sammy Hagar for a while. When Sammy Hagar left, he left with uh, Sammy Hagar. Oh, okay. just didn't get... Because yeah, I knew he was there with Hagar because I knew he was on the, the Carnal Knowledge album. Yes, yeah. yeah. And you can hear the, the high voice through these high singing voices throughout the Van Halen albums. Uh, David Lee Roth... His voice is more of a bass voice. He really, really strains. He, it's almost like some kind of guttural roar, almost like a lion or something. Uh, if you've ever listened to the isolated tracks, uh, there's a lot of those on the internet, and yeah, it's amazing. I would not say he's a good singer. There are songs that he sings. You can hear his actually his singing voice. That would be like Ice Cream Man and a few of those uh, slower songs. But then when it comes time to sing some of the bigger songs, he is really belting them beyond what he should. And he's just announced his retirement. He, he's been doing Las Vegas shows. And he at the end of this year, he's done. I think he's got five more concerts. Yeah, I saw that notice. He's in yeah. his 70s. It, yeah. It's amazing. You know, people go, well, his voice isn't what it was. Are you kidding me? This guy 
Well, he did do that bluegrass side project for a while that wasn't well, he, all that great. No, no, there's, <laughs> he, they had some flops. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I look at other. People. But I like his solo career. I mean, yeah, there, there's DLR some good tunes in there. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Sheehan on bass, and I mean, he had uh, Steve Vai on guitar. I mean, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he put up, he put a group together that could go toe to toe with Van Halen. I mean, that was. I mean, he really best guys at the time. I don't know if anybody. This is my personal thing. I don't know if anybody beats Eddie <laughs> on guitar, but Steve Vai is definitely a good. Uh, oh yeah, you know. Yeah, he's definitely one of the greatest. Good option, you know. So the band has four members. Their instruments are finely tuned. They're singing, their bravado, the the ability to go on stage and get the crowd pumped up and having fun. Van Halen used to run up and down the stage. I mean, they would put on a show, even if it was like in a Whiskey Go-Go, where it was a small stage. They still played it like it was a big arena, and then when they finally got to the big arenas, they had already he already knew what to do because they had been doing it for so long. He was a lot like Jimi Hendrix, I think. You know, walking up towards the uh, amps to get the feedback. Plus, he didn't want people to know how he was doing some of the <laughs> noises. You know, he he's famous on making um, like a horse whinny or an elephant trunk noise he can make animal noises with the guitar oh, really? and and when he learned a double tap and so he was trying to keep a little bit of a secret where people were like how there was guys that went and tried to learn how to do that because they wanted to learn how to do it so they could do it next night that's how that's how they're like wow you know i've never seen that before and they were just so excited about seeing that it's like Gotta try it, and they didn't even finish the watching the concert. They went home to start practicing. Well, that's that's what this album feels like is is a concert, like a like a set. Because I mean, it's it's very short. It's only like half an hour. Yeah, that's right. For, for the whole minutes. CD, uh, yeah. like eleven tracks. It feels like they they didn't have a whole ton of material, but they had a great rock and live show. Let's just take that and try yes. and put it on on tape, and and they were you know lightning in a bottle. Yeah, that's right. And that's really a lot of that stuff. The pictures on the album were taken at the Whiskey Go-Go. Nothing fancy. I mean, it's a photographer that took pictures and might have added, I know like Eddie is standing there with the guitar in his hand and it's he's holding it straight up and down and where the strings and the guitar are has this like red hue to it, like power surging through it or something. <laughs> and David Lee Roth is screaming at a, a uh, spotlight, you know, I mean, it just didn't cost them much to, uh, <laughs> you know, to make that album. You know what I mean, it wasn't, it was nothing fancy. It goes to show you don't need, you know, 30 tracks and, you know, three discs no. and, you know, a year in the studio to, to make a, a great album. You know, these yes. guys, and again, lightning in a bottle. I mean, some, a lot of, a lot of great albums are, you know, take yes. a year to make, you know, that's, it's every, every musician is different. But it was, you know, phenomenal that they were able to do this and such probably, I don't even know what the budget was. It was probably super low, but they yeah. were able to just knock it out, having fun. And what's so cool is this album in particular, because later on, uh, you did not hear the bass as profoundly as you do on some of these songs 
uh, on this album. So you're like, wow, I can really, uh, I can really hear the, the bass playing. And it's like, man, I can really hear the drums. I can hear the ride cymbals and the crash. I could hear the toms. And it's like, now they throw in this guitar and just like, how do these speakers even produce this sound? The third song on this was You Really Got Me. And that is Kink's song. And so I really think they did a good job. In fact, uh, uh, Ray Davies, singer of the Kinks, said uh, after Kinks concert, fans would come up and say, you did a great cover of that Van Halen song. <laughs> and he, you know, at first he would get upset, but he goes, you know what? He did a good job and I'm not, I'm not mad at him. I, I did read that his brother, uh, Dave Davies, was not happy with it overall. Yeah. And, and he called it very middle America. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, which to me is a compliment. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm from. <laughs> if anything, it was West Coast. I mean, it was uh, a lot of people don't yeah. know that there was a group called Angel and they had Greg Gafria and a bunch of guys in it. But when Van Halen released that, Van Halen and Angel were the group Angel were playing uh, the same clubs and stuff. And they heard Van Halen practicing that song and they told their record company, we want to put this out. We want this song to come out before Van Halen does. Van Halen beat them to the punch and got it. So Angel never released that. That was, that was true. I mean, they, they had a little bit of infighting, different groups, you know, especially Los Angeles, you heard, Motley Crue didn't like this person. They didn't have, they didn't like this group. And it's like, dude, you guys are interchangeable. I mean, they all play the same stuff. Yeah, Van Halen really stood out from the rest of the '80s hair bands. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, that's they, they don't really fall into that category to me. No, and that's you know Not they call all. them the, you know they're oh here they these are kings of heavy metal and stuff. Dude, and they did Will Rogers. A happy trails to you. I mean, uh, Roy Evans or uh, Roy Rogers and Dell Evans song, happy trails to you. These guys are just having fun mm. and they rocked that one. I don't think another, another group would allow or a record company would allow any other group to say, Hey, we want to do this song. And they'll be like, I don't know. I think they had enough star power it's like, look, we just sold 15 million, you know, 15 and a half million albums. I think I could pretty much tell you. And that's just this one album. You know, they've, they've got all the other albums. Oh, it sounds like the, the rockers of that generation, you know, you know, from the 11 year olds on were dying for something good and new. You said, you yeah. mentioned how fast it went, you know, multi-platinum. Yes. They were just, they, they were hungry for it. The fans. There was, we had, Groups like Kansas, Boston, you know, Journey. I mean, if a band came from a state and named it after a state, they probably got a record deal, you know. And the, <laughs> the music was okay. You know, I I I dig that stuff too. It's just it wasn't different 
didn't break the boundaries that I think this one did. The uh, fourth song on this album is uh, Talking About Love. Yeah, you may have all you want, baby, but I got something you need. me that basically is a hit it and get it song and right. <laughs> you know i can't think of any in halen song that has hidden meanings to any uh, in their lyrics i mean they pretty much just tell you how it is being whatever whatever the things well, I, about. I would i would say no david lee roth era van halen songs do yeah yeah, Sa- yeah. sammy hagar can get a little deep sometimes but but yeah dave was there's no subtext there. <laughs> yeah, that's what, you know what I mean? So uh, he ain't talking about love. He's just wanting it. So yeah. he's got towns and, and people to see, that kind of stuff. Now, the uh, fifth song on that album is uh, I Am The One. That was one of those songs that I think the guys just played to perfection. Honey, I'm the one, the one you love. Come on, baby, show you love. all worked together and then they did that acapella stuff you know that we yeah, were talking it, it, about yeah it fits in there so so wonderful it's almost like a wop i don't know of any other group at that time yeah it shouldn't work but it but it does it does yeah it's almost like if shawna interrupted the song you know rocking song <laughs> right? and then shawna came out there and did something you know Sixth song is Jamie's Crying, and that's the one that I heard on the radio all the time. And the only thing I could think on that was his guitar was more of um, he made the guitar cry. It was almost like a like, wah, talking wah. guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, <laughs> and, almost uh, kind of of mocking poor poor Jamie. Jamie, if she didn't give it up, the stud wasn't going to go take her out on another date. And then she missed out on the opportunity. So now she wants to try to get with him, but you know, she knows what that'll get her, it'll get her sad again. Yeah, it's a good you know? classic high school love story there. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And I think uh, it would be years later on that I could feel that, you know, you're talking, I was still, young and some of that stuff went over my head right when you listen to it it's like guitar playing on that there was nothing like eruption or or any of those standout massive guitar solos it was just he was playing along and there was groups that had uh, i call it talking guitar aerosmith things like that you can almost hear the hear the guitar talking you know that track seven uh atomic punk that yeah. was one that I had heard before, but I, I never really connected it to Van Halen. Oh, David Lee Roth was the atomic punk. Yeah, I 
he was the baddest thing. He was a martial arts guy. If you ever seen his the bravado, his stage presence, mm -hmm. massive split kicks and jumping off the high rise stands and a very athletic play with yeah. swords. You know, he's a heavy duty martial artist and he would play with swords. Uh, he did have an incident on the Jimmy Kendall show where he almost chopped his nose off do you see that that was uh, oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> you know i'm thinking you know what you're like 70 years old i don't know if i'd want to be doing that but uh, you know. reeling it a little dave <laughs> In 1978 you gotta remember uh nobody was gonna mess with the atomic punk you know he was the baddest dude around he walked the streets you know and nothing he wasn't a wasn't afraid of nothing that's what I kind of get from that song then track eight on uh Fill Your Love Tonight, that I think is a song that they might play at a, a high school dance or whatever, <laughs> you know. It's memorable to me for the the ending with the those harmonies, which you, you, I, I would assume would be Michael Anthony kind of singing high on the harmony he side. He sings high, yes, yes. I can't wait to feel your love tonight. I can't wait. Dave can't go that high when he goes when he goes high his voice I, I can't say that it breaks he stretches stuff it's not supposed to be stretched he, I mean the guy really if you listen to his um isolated tracks and if you try to sing those songs in the car try to get where he does you're definitely going to do vocal damage to your vocals you're not going to be able to sing like him you're going to to a certain point and you go I'm going to track down some of those isolated tracks for, for him. Yeah. You know, I've heard they, ones from like Freddie Mercury and David Bowie and others, yes. which, are, which are great, but I, I've never even thought to think of David Lee Freddie, Roth for that. Freddie Mercury was a singer. I mean, he was a singer. Yeah. David Lee Roth, you know, his true singing voice is more of a bass. And you hear that in like little dreamer, ice cream man, a lot of the songs, he just takes it to a level that most people would have blood coming out of their Throat. Not that it's uh, uh, I, just a range that I don't think his voice should even be able to reach. And I think you can actually hear that he is willing to take it to that point. It's like Paul Elliott from Def uh, Leppard on the Paralmania album. His voice, it, they would tell him, you got to get higher. You got to get higher. You got to get higher. And now his voice is shot. I mean, for, for 30 years. I mean, I, I seen them in the early 80s, mid 80s. By the 90s, his voice was really shot. Sometimes in concert now, he'll have the group, let's say Tesla, on stage with them, and the Tesla singer will finish his songs because his voice is just given out. It's like um, uh, I got to see the the Beach Boys a few years ago at Bonnaroo, oh, and, and it, it was fantastic. I mean, Brian Wilson was was on stage and. And all of them, uh, all the ones that are remaining, uh, but it was really a a Beach Boys cover band in the back. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then you and then you had the the remaining members up up in front. But I mean, the backup band was was amazing, and they did a lot of the harmony singing, a lot of the high notes. You you could yes. tell. 
I mean, it, but it didn't didn't matter. I was seeing Brian. Yeah, Wilson that's pretty cool. Stage. Was, yeah, I seen it. It was a long time ago. They played in Peoria at the Glen Oak Park. If you remember the Amphitheater at Glen Oak Park, yeah. yeah. I mean, that yeah. was probably that was probably about 1979, and you know, they were good. Let's see, what was the next? The next one was uh, "Little Dreamer," was the uh, ninth song, and I think when you listen to the words, I think it's about uh, following your dreams. Even if other people uh, don't back you, even if your dreams don't come true, you just keep on trying. I think that's what the, the song was about. Yeah, that's kind of what I get from you. Kind of tales of big dreams. You know, they're they're going to get crushed by the world, but you got to keep on yep. trying. Yep, and that's a keep trying, dust yourself off. I, I like this track. It, it's uh, uh, you, you got those uh, yes, you got those oohs in the background, or, or they're. Uh, they really kind of move the song along, and I, I really like that track. No one talks about the times you cry. A little dreamer. To me, that is Billy Roth's real singing voice. At no time does he sit there and, and go beyond what he needs to it's it's more of a a slower song you know the tenth song was the uh ice cream man which was another cover by uh guitarist uh john prim this was a surprise for me because i had never heard this you never I, i had never heard ice cream man oh my gosh so after listening this whole album all the way through all of a sudden this david lee roth with just himself, a little blues guitar, he, he yes. kind of blue, bluegrassy, and then it, I loved it. It was great, and it's 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 now my favorite track on the album. But then I love right. it. it go, there's that midpoint, you know. Come on in, boys, and then it rocks out the rest. I love it. And if you let me cool you one time, you'd be my regular style. All right, boys. A lot of people didn't know that David Lee Roth is actually a good guitar player too. You just can't be, you can't play with Eddie. So what he would do is he'd bring out an acoustic guitar, Eddie Van Halen on like the little guitars and stuff like that. He would play uh, acoustics most of the time. Uh, David Lee Roth actually played guitar uh, really well. So yeah, it's really blues. And I, I, I like it. Yeah. It's like, come on boys. And it's like a kick to the Jimmy yeah. rocket. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they rock it and they finish it out. I did YouTube this one. I wanted to see if there was a live version, and there is on YouTube. Yes, uh, where it shows Dave playing playing acoustic yes. up front and and just kind of talking with the crowd. It's it's kind of extended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I pretty, like that. Pretty good. On their last album, David Lee Roth got back with them for um, uh, the best of both worlds. No, no, uh, some kind of truth or a different kind of truth uh, was their last one, and got a song called stay frosty and it's very reminiscent of this song that uh nice callback it freaking rocks i mean it rocks a lot of people didn't care for that album but man that's that's a good album in fact people uh when gary sharon took over for sammy hagar oh yeah van halen three yes it's not terrible it's but it's not terrible it's yeah, not terrible. See, the, people don't give it a good enough chance. There's actually some yeah, good tracks on there. That's that's what I 
the bullet of the, the bullet of the ballot, and there's also a great instrumental before that. Um, I was actually going to ask Sh- you what you thought of Van Halen. I, I actually liked it. Gary Sharon. He's got a great voice. Yeah. When, and when he did with Extreme, I, I do like the Extreme stuff better. And Bentoncourt was the guitar player on that. Oh, yeah, Nunu. He, yeah, he's phenomenal. Oh, he and he, you know, he praises everything Eddie Van Halen. I mean, that that's one of the guys that he influenced as a kid. He he really does rock. And I really think, you know, Gary Sharon did a good job. I I think Eddie had drinking and stuff, but you know, because he had a problem with that, uh, so might have been a little sloppier. May not have cared as much, you know. I think he had just had hip replacement surgery because of all the jumping around and running around he did on stage. Yeah. And, and he was walking into the into some you know, two big shoes to fill with two two sets. Oh, I mean, yeah. and, you know, not to mention all the fans because you had David Lee Roth fans, you had Sammy Hagar fans, and now you had. You know, you had a lot of diehard guys that were like, you mean the guy from Extre- the more than words guy? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was in high school when that came out and we did listen to that a lot in our little party garage and, and we enjoyed it. But the best yeah. part about Van Halen three was that also that coincided with a greatest hits album that came out from Van Halen. Yes. And yes. that's and I where that. I really kind of learned more about Van Halen was that greatest. Hits yes. Album. That, that album was great, and then they had the additional songs and the soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, song from uh, a Twister. Oh, uh, uh, respect the wind. Yes, that's yes. that's and, a beautiful song. Not I didn't I didn't even know it was uh, Eddie and uh, Alex. Alex, yeah. Uh, yeah. Until like, like later on, someone told me, "Oh yeah, this is the Van Halen guys." Yes, there was uh, numerous songs. Uh, Eddie was doing. Um, well, they had humans being. I forgot about that. That was the the yeah, hit. Humans uh, being. Yeah, that was the hit. Yes. But uh, the first one I think of is "Respect the Wind." They brought David Lee Roth back for that, and uh, David Lee Roth played in that. And the famous music inductee to the Music Hall of Fame. Uh, it sounded like David Lee Roth was coming back, and lasted about twenty four hours before. You know, it's like, oh, we're not getting back together. You know, it's like we just I, did a couple songs. Yeah, they, they had that awkward. I think it was like MTV Awards or something where they're on yeah, the stage. Yeah, MTV and he, Awards. And he, David Lee Roth, joined the band, and he kind of like stood in front of him and yes. held his arms out. And uh, yes. Eddie was was none too happy about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's what um, I'll tell you. Uh, I had Eddie Van Halen's. Um, he just died a little over a year ago. I had his email and I would just email him times a year. Um, Merry Christmas, things like that. I have an autistic grandson that was learning how to play guitar. And all he wanted to do was listen to the 1984 album and repeat because he can do things by listening to it. Uh, if he wants to play Van Halen jump, he'll get his little um, synthesizer and he'll listen to the song and he'll, musically sounded out so and eddie thought that was great because so you so you had a pen pal relationship with eddie van halen yeah with eddie yeah that's great yeah it, he was very not he was very nice i i never took advantage of the situation because he's like how did you get my <laughs> you know, how'd you get, and i'm thinking ancient chinese secret you know i'm sitting there going you know i guessed and i got it I'm just a fan, and I I've done that with the 
you know, in my life, I've done that a few other times. We're like, how do you do that? You know, I'm, I'm not doing anything special. I just think like you do for uh, a few minutes and try it out and it works. Uh, <laughs> then I, I had that on my phone. And after he passed away, they deleted everything. And even on my side, uh, my phone still has a picture of him there. All his things, when he would talk to me, all those disappeared. Oh. So now I can click on it and go, well, here's where I told him to have this and told him, I hope everything's going good. And uh, I knew something was wrong when I didn't hear anything back for like six to eight months. I knew he had sick and things like that because uh, I didn't want to upset him because all I got to do is all he has to do is block you. I mean, he was he was very generous just just to take a couple minutes out of his time. That's the way he had never put out any other music. He, he had already, he had already put out so much good music. Everybody's like, uh, they need to put out more albums. You know, this is, it's a terrible, they, they uh, owe it to the fans. And, and I'm thinking, dudes, listen to what you've got already. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean just listen yeah. to what you got. Uh, you see that, that Van Halen one went, uh, back on the charts after he died oh i didn't it, it, i didn't realize that yeah no, it, uh, it, it got up to uh four on the the hard rock chart wow yeah that's great they deserve it it's it's terrible when people have to find out about these guys uh after they pass away you know people go wow i don't know who this guy is and they look it up and it's the same thing a lot of people sell more albums after they pass away and that's a shame yeah you know so that that last track to to finish that out, yeah. that I, I have my note here as chaotic rock. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I have um, get yourself a set of old headphones, the old big Mickey Mouse ear things, and crank it up just <laughs> just like they did when they were mixing it in the uh, booth and stuff. And Michael Anthony, you can hear a lot of his high notes. Yeah, I would assume that was Dave, you know, on on fire. I would assume that was Dave. Had you not told me it was yeah, it was Anthony doing the high stuff. Yeah, Anthony was doing the high stuff, and then. That song, I think uh, David Lee Roth was pushing the limits of his uh, yelling or whatever, or however you want to call it, his screaming abilities or whatever. So I really love that tune. But I think when I got into high school, I still had a boombox, and I can remember uh, I had my Led Zeppelin four set tape and Van Halen one. So everybody was going to listen to Running With The Devil and Eruption at least two or three times before we got to the, the track meet, the other school, you know. <laughs> and so we're going to learn a lesson in Van Halen, whether they liked it or not, you know. So that's the album. That's the album that really started everything. I'm not even sure. You know, there's so many good albums Um yeah, yeah. So, so Van Halen one was your top one. What, yeah. What's on your short list? Boy, Van Halen or everything, or are into everything, because 
you know, if I had to pick a song that I could listen to over and over again, I really like ACDC's Back in Black. Um, Excellent album. I like Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. You know, that song has so many killer things, and you can just listen uh, to, it, uh, you know, to it all the way through. For Van Halen, <laughs> I really do like the earlier stuff with David Lee Roth. I also really like the band. I really like all of it. I can't. I can't pick one. You know. Well, they've they've got a large catalog too. Oh, they do. Yeah, they yeah. really put out a lot of albums. I mean, both the DLR range and the and the Hagar era. He passed away. A Cirrus Radio had a a tribute station for a while. I listened to that every song quite a bit. Oh yeah. my gosh! I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. This is so great. I said. You should just put a freaking Van Halen channel. I mean, this is, you have so many songs that it would take a long time before you repeated yourself. Everybody wants some. Uh, they use that and that. I'm trying yeah, to think was a, of it. That was Better Off Dead, I think. Better Off Dead. They yeah. use that in the movie. And, and that's how yeah. a lot of people learned about the Van Halen. Well, I'm going, that's that's Van Halen. Really? Yeah. The well, I, I knew Van Halen from the 1984 album. You know, I was maybe five, six years old, uh, but we had the, had the album, had the little baby angel on the cover. So yeah. Very, very memorable. <laughs> yeah. Jump was everywhere you know, yes. during, during that time frame. But I always loved hot for teacher. I just, yes. Uh, awesome. Without, awesome. Yeah, so I was that six, seven year old, not really understanding the lyrics, but, oh yeah. yeah but, but mumbling along with the, it was great. Very inappropriate lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I brought my pencil. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, great videos, and those guys were having fun. Yeah, I see yeah. them in concert for that that tour, and they they rock. I I, I want to say that his son was just in town. Uh, Wolfgang, Wolfgang has an album out, and the kid plays all the instruments, uh, not on stage, but he when he when he tapes things, he 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 plays all the instruments just like Prince did. And I really think, you know, the music isn't Van, it's, it's still Van Halen, but it's not the Van Halen that we're used to. Eddie and them had got to put out another album. It may have sounded nothing like, because he was an innovator, it may not have sounded like anything that they had played before. So I really think that he's, he's doing a good job to carry on that legacy of awesome uh, musicians. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, Doug, I'd like to thank you for sitting down with me today. It was a pleasure to talk with you about Van Halen One. Do you want to tell our listeners about anything you want to pitch or what you're working on or where they can find you? That's I got, up to you. I got nothing. I watch my grandkids okay. now and preach the Van Halen to them. They they want to listen to it. We drop the top. We drop the convertible top, and I take them to car shows. They want to listen to Van Halen. They sure do like listening to it. That's amazing. Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As always, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.